0: I think one of the reasons I was so excited to have Julie McHugh on this week, McHugh, not Q, uh, is that I myself had to go through a search that involved an attorney to find my father, my biological father. And during that time, I found out that I had so many more relatives besides just a biological father somewhere out there. At the time, I was 20 years old. And I will say that it was a very positive time for me anyway. I was in college where I never really expected to be. I had pretty low expectations for myself. Um, I had friends. I was surrounded by love. And so I felt like, oh, this is going to be amazing to find my father and get to know the family. I didn't think I could just barge into the family and that they would all jump and, and you know, jump up and down and love me. However, I was very fortunate. I had a quite a warm welcome. Still, I've had a number of other friends who've met their biological family or found out later on in life that their parents had other children during their own parents' marriage, uh, which can be very perplexing and Disconcerting to think that your parent might have had more children while still married to your own parent. That doesn't always show up well in one's life. You know, it brings out a whole lot of feelings of betrayal, perhaps, and confusion, and all of those things. And so I would just say, listening to Julie's story, I hope you enjoy it. But reading her book, you definitely get the hairpin turns. And when when a person goes out of their way to find their family of origin. And I think the things I'd want you to take away are you are still going to be the same amazing person you've always been, despite who your biological family turns out to be, whether it's fabulous or not, whether they want to see you yet or not. And it doesn't change the fiber of who you are. It may answer some questions, But brace yourself, you may get answers that you didn't necessarily want, and that still doesn't change who you are, or it doesn't have to change the trajectory of your life. So I really think what Julie talks about in this interview, about having group support, peer support, maybe going to a counselor once in a while, if you're looking up family or you found family and it hasn't set well with you, and having some external person to help you have realistic expectations. It's normal for us to want to find someone and connect and find that we're exactly like them and they're everything we wanted them to be. Real life is much more tricky. And so when you find some family members and you invite them into your heart, it changes the dynamic with your other family members, not always for the good. So not going through that experience alone is something I definitely, definitely recommend. I'm so thrilled that I've gotten to know my family. But as in all huge groups of people, there are some people you meet and you don't necessarily connect with that well. And some people you meet and you think, I can't even imagine my life without you. So it's just worth going through the long journey as long as you're in a place of realistic Strength. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Persistence You with Lizbeth. This week I am massively elated to have author Julie McHugh with me. Julie wrote a memoir that I completely loved reading, and it was and is called Twice a Daughter A Search for Identity, Family, and Belonging. Julie was propelled to find her biological parents after midlife when she was suddenly affected by some health issues that made it more necessary to find out her roots. She had four children of her own and wanted to benefit them as well. I love this book, and it was published by my same publisher, She Writes Press. So Julie, in a sense, is sort of a sister of mine in the way of publication. Now, I wanted to start with a really fun fact. Julie's biological mother said in chapter 21, as she raised her glass to congratulate her daughter for finding her, to Julie, here's to your persistence, dear girl. Without that, we would not be sitting here today. And isn't that true for so many of us? I'm very happy to have Julie here today. Welcome, Julie. Elizabeth,
1: um, I have a twin sister, and she and I were adopted together at three weeks old. We always knew that we were adopted. Uh, It's not a secret. Our parents never kept it from us. We grew up in uh, a big Irish Catholic family. Um, I have another brother that's adopted. And then my parents had three biologic children of their own. So it was truly a blended family. Um, My sister and I had a wonderful childhood. While we wondered about our adoption because it was closed adoption, we had no information uh, about our personal history. And then at 48, I was sent for a breast biopsy, and my husband uh, deeply encouraged me to, (laughs) to get access to my medical records. And because of the closed adoption, it meant that the records were sealed, And I really didn't know how to go about finding information. Um, I started off with a search agency that I found on the Internet that had been recommended on Oprah. Uh, We we didn't get very far with them. Uh, The information we provided them suggested that maybe our birth mother had used an alias and um, we couldn't get any farther. We talked to a, a private investigator He wasn't able to help us because of the limited information we had. But he did point us in the direction to a new program in the state of Illinois, um, which was right around 2010, called a Confidential Intermediary Service. And this was under the auspices of a judge. And he granted the intermediary access to the sealed records. She was able to find, through our adoption agency, our birth mother's real name, and sent a letter to her. Um, initially, our birth mom denied contact with us, which is a very was a very low point in the story um, that I tell in the book. Uh, took her quite a bit of time to change her Painful. mind. Painful, yes. Uh, to change her mind, we um, went back to her with a request for medical information, which she did provide. Um, but we had no information about our birth father. She wasn't required to supply his name. And so for quite some time, we went uh, limping along with half of a family tree and uh, very limited medical history. Um, My health issues resolved some of them, but some new ones appeared. And um, adoptees like me, one of the things we talk about in our stories is how embarrassing it is to go to the doctor's office and be asked about medical history, and not be able to provide anything. So at this point, um, the doctors were sending me for extra testing because I was under 50, and um, so a lot of extra testing, a lot of extra medical appointments. And once we made um, contact with our birth mom, she did tell me my birth father's name, and we started down the road um, searching for him, which is a good part of the, the end of the book. Um,
0: that is so exciting. Now, it was a long
1: process, correct? It was a long process. We made contact with her in 2011, um, and then I didn't get any information definitively from my paternal side until 2014. And uh, unfortunately for me, DNA testing was pretty, it was available, but the number of subscribers in the system was not so that it helped me. I was connecting with third, fourth, and fifth generation cousins. Um, I had limited names to provide. So Building any kind of family tree from at that point in time was not really that easy to do. I've since then filled out both sides and um, have uh, extensive genealogy, which was um, one of the goals besides um,
0: gathering the medical history. That is so exciting. Now, there's a lot of, well, first I should say you had four children. You have four children that you also worried about. For them to know their health history. Correct. So I completely understand that amazing drive you had. But there were a lot of unintended consequences for finding your family. Are you able to share just a little bit of that? Because sometimes listeners will have their own uh, search. Um, Breast
1: cancer turned out to be a big family history. On both sides of my family uh, so much so that an aunt had died of breast cancer before she was 40 and that put me in a higher risk category and I went for gene testing to see if I carried the breast cancer gene uh, which I don't um, and my twin sister has a daughter I have three daughters and so all of this was deeply concerning for for them going forward to what, what kind of medical testing they would need to be involved
0: in. Sure. I'm so glad you found them. How did it change your relationships with your adoptive parents? My, um, well, my
1: parents were one of the first people that I told that I was going to, Go down this road of finding my um, my birth family and get my medical history. My father was delightful. Um, they had always expressed that they would support us. Unfortunately, my um, adoptive mom really did not uh, welcome the idea. It was very clear. I think if she would have verbalized um, a request that I not do it, I think that um, we would have been at a, a very difficult crossroads. She didn't. Um, she just she just withdrew. And uh, consequently, I withdrew from my relationship with her. We had quite a rift going. I stopped sharing information with her only because she had said she would always support this, and then she didn't. Um, there's a point in the middle of the book, a, kind of, a few very difficult chapters that I debated whether I wanted to put those in there or not, and um, they're really essential to the story arc because there is a lot of personal growth and healing that happens towards the end of the book. Um, and I wasn't willing to give up on my relationship with my mother. I just knew that I needed to get to where I wanted to be, and then we could we could try to work on it going forward. And and that's exactly what happened. Uh, some of the information, so the surprises at the end of the book, the connections that are literally right next door, help my mom come around to, um, there's more family for my daughter to have, and I welcome that family. So we experienced a lot of growth together, um, which is really a a strong part of the story. There was the medical conflict, but then there was the relationship conflict um, as a result of the adoption search. And my experiences with other adoptees who have gone down these paths almost everybody has a family member that is not on board with what they're doing and one of the goals in writing the book was to highlight to people that you know adoptees they're not uh, going against their family that raised them they're not being disloyal By embarking on an adoption search, they're just trying to find out who they are, more information about themselves. Um, And on that same point, you know, there is um, a lot of loss on all sides of the equation. Adoptees lose a sense of identity as a result of adoption. And uh, adoptive parents, most likely like my parents, went down the road of adoption because they had some infertility issues. So there was loss there, and birth parents lose the ability to raise the child um, that they gave birth to. So knowing all of those factors in adoption uh, made writing this story a little tricky because I wanted to bring all of those things in and uh, highlight how complicated the adoption experience is, uh, not just my story in
0: particular. Sure, and especially in the day... Where everything was so secretive. I mean, it with the secret makes it feel like something bad happened. And you clearly were able to demonstrate it was only amazing that you ended up with the big loving family. And that is the beautiful ending.
1: Yeah, I I continue to meet birth family members. Um, in fact, a week ago I was down in Florida visiting my daughter, and uh, my first cousin uh, had just recently moved to Florida, and we had been um, in contact before. But but she came, and um, we had a lovely lunch. I met her husband, and they're so welcoming. I, I've learned a lot about my family of origin just from my contact with my cousin, and as I was telling you before we got on the show, I had uh, lunch yesterday with my um, two birth siblings and my twin sister and I celebrating their birthdays, and uh, we share a lot of commonality uh, besides the same smile, and um, uh, it, it's just a very heartwarming experience to be able to meet people you never dreamed you would be able to contact. And, um, it's
0: very fulfilling. I think I also met a lot of my family that I didn't grow up with. And I felt so rooted once I realized I had a lot of siblings and aunts and uncles and, and, people that I'd never thought I would meet. I suddenly felt so connected. And still, you find some relationships you gravitate more toward than others. Mm -hmm. So what I tell other people at times is keep digging because somewhere in that family of yours, you're going to find someone that you can't imagine living without. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you did that.
1: Yes. Well, and I was, I'm very fortunate as an adoptee to have a twin sister and being raised with my twin sister.
0: Right. Um,
1: there's a lot of stories out there, like three identical strangers, the triplets that were separated and then met later in life. But I have always had my sister in my life. And that built in support system Makes us kind of a unique experience um, for adoptees, and certainly having her help with the search for our birth parents uh, was invaluable. Because there were times where I was really at a at a loss as to what direction to go, and she, you know, said, "We can do this. We can figure it out. I'll I'll go research this. You do that." and Having that camaraderie and also that shared experience of what it feels like to be rejected by a birth family member, um, just knowing that she felt the same thing was one of those things that enabled us to move forward is the common shared experience.
0: That is so fortunate. You had that first call. Every time you got disappointing news, there was somebody you could call who could completely empathize.
1: Exactly. And who was interested in finding the next strategy um, right. or speculating as to, you know, what was going on behind the scenes. Cause there's, that is always the story, isn't it? That um, right. we w- we want to make our journey in life all about us. And it's so important to sit back and say, what could be going on in their life that is preventing them from connecting with us. And that advice was given to me by a social worker. And I think once I latched onto that perspective, I was able to be a little less hurt. still hurt, but a little less hurt that um, there was surrounding circumstances that may be complicating um, our
0: connection. That is so wise. You know, what would keep them from wanting to see you what would keep them from wanting to celebrate you? All of those things feel very raw and personal. And so you had that other person to talk to, which is terrific.
1: Exactly. And I think um, when you're speaking about adoption and certainly people of my age, middle age, that are from a closed adoption, we don't really realize or remember the shame in society that forced these circumstances on women nowadays Uh, women that become pregnant and they're not married, they may choose to stay in relationship with the birth father, but they may choose to get married down the road. Well, back 60 years ago, if you were an unwed mother, there was deep shame and ostracism and families um, would take their daughters and drop them off at women's homes. And uh, or or completely shun them from the family. So those factors played into um, adoption back in the era that I come from.
0: Sure. Sometimes forced marriages, which mm-hmm. may have been the most tragic of all. So I'm really glad that you factored that in as you're looking toward the response of your biological parents. Mm-hmm. What expectations would you tell people? to have when they're looking to find their own biological parents. Maybe they've been adopted or maybe they've been abandoned later in life as a lot of the kids I worked with were uh, for juvenile probation. But what would you tell them to, to embrace as they continue that search? It
1: is so easy um, nowadays with DNA what where it is to just connect to a birth relative and jump right in And people that I know that have done that um, have have some misgivings about being so quick. So caution would be one of the first things that I would say take it slowly, um, process information, uh, do a lot of reading, do a lot of research, read, the really good books out there that can help you understand what adoption really means with there's attachment disorders and trauma associated with it. Things that we suppress and bury, try to understand that aspect of yourself before you jump into the, you know, any kind of relationship right off the bat and be willing to give yourself time. Uh, okay. Certainly you know, it's an overwhelming experience to meet a birth relative, and they may not be what you expect them to be. Um, And and that has its own issues, too. So um, I benefited greatly from an adoption support group through my adoption agency, and I'm still involved in that group 10 years later, following other adoptees' stories and being able to offer my own experiences, um, I encourage adoptees to get some kind of support while they're going through a search because there's so many unexpected things that happen that we don't have experience in dealing with.
0: I think that is brilliant, especially being in a peer support group. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: There's no one else who will understand the twists and turns like somebody who's gone through it. And so doing that in community And having that support can make all the difference. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So how has it been promoting your book? Because I feel like it's done really well. Um, The the book
1: launch was um, beyond my expectations. I think, as you and I were talking about before, it's my story, but it is beyond my story. There's about 6 million adoptees in our country. And each adoptee, if you think about it, has two sets of parents and siblings. And uh, so I think the content bucket of the adoption experience has been deeply intriguing to readers. Um, It's at the top of the charts on Amazon categories and done really well on Audible. Um, I love talking to book clubs. There's always somebody in a book club that is an adoptee or a birth parent. And I've had some valuable conversations with people after the fact, which I welcome. Um, I welcome contact through my website, juliemiguauthor.com with any readers um, be happy to share, you know, my perspective or um, any experiences that I've had that way.
0: And I think it's so terrific. That you launched this book through the pandemic, correct? <laughs> and while that makes it challenging, it opened your audience wide open. Now you are presenting to book groups around the world, likely mm-hmm. just from your home. So in a way, it offered opportunity.
1: Yes, uh, you know it's interesting. My peer support group that we were speaking of it has gone virtual. So, and <sighs> one of the beautiful things about that is. Um see, there's people from Texas and Florida and all over the country that you know were never able to physically join the group in downtown Chicago and now um are regulars on our our quarterly uh meeting so that's been absolutely wonderful one of the things that happened during covid was that i had my adoptive mom living with me um because there were so many cases in her nursing home and the book had i just finished the book it was had gone to the publisher and i had that opportunity to share the book with with my mom and assess how she was going to deal with all the secrets i revealed in it and it was lovely um (sighs) her reaction was as i expected she said you know you're a really good writer and i think you said what you needed to say and that made me feel I wrote the right book. She's not worried about any of the conflicts that I shared, and I had her blessing, which
0: was wonderful. Julie, that is so beautiful, so beautiful. So, will you remind the listeners again of where to connect with you on uh, your website? Okay, the website is uh, www.juliemigueauthor.com.
1: Um, you can contact me through the website. The book is available wherever books are sold. Um, Because I'm an indie author, though, I like to recommend bookshop.org, which supports um, all the local bookstores. And you Mm -hmm. can order order the book through them, too, as well as that other A word.
0: (laughs) That's right. And I love that you have your book available on audiobook.
1: Yes. um, I I recorded. I didn't record it, but I um, had an actress record the book. Last summer, um, so that it would come out at the same time. Like many of your listeners, I got hooked on listening to books on tape, um, during COVID so I could read and walk at the same time and read a lot of really good books during COVID. So it was my new favorite thing. It was really important for me to have that on audiobook.
0: Well, I think it's beautifully narrated. Thank you. I'm so very grateful that you've been with us today. And thank you for sharing your amazing story of persistence.
1: Oh, thank you, Elizabeth, for having me on the show. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week.
1: Proud member of the Podnougan Network.